Hey everyone, my name is Michael, and you are listening to the Goody Reader Radio Show. It's December the 11th, 2014, and today I want to talk to you about what would constitute the ultimate e-reader. E-readers have come a long way since the first generation Kindle came out in 2007. And before that, Sony had released a few of their devices, uh, but more often they were overpriced uh, outside of the range of your average reader uh, between three and four hundred dollars and now they've really kind of come down to about 79 for a basic level entry one all the way to about 199 for one that has all the bells and whistles because e-readers have grown e-book sales have grown as well uh, roughly about 15 to about 17 billion dollars is the total global ebook market and it's set to increase further to about 22 billion in 2017 as more people start buying these devices obviously that figure will dramatically increase we have been on the front line since since about 2008 so about a year after the first kindle we were covering the growth of the e-reader industry before kobo released their first e-reader before barnes and noble got involved in e-readers so we really saw a lot of companies come out of nowhere some failed some got ridiculously huge and all along the way some innovated some released me too products uh, but companies like e-ink companies like freescale that make the components they have really grown up uh, from when we started covering e-readers all the way to we're almost at 2015 now so with all the different advancements in e-reader technology what would make the ultimate e-reader? I've come up with a big list here, and what I want to do is just talk about some of the things that I think would, would make the ultimate e-reader. First of all, it would have to be 6 inches. Now, I recognize that a lot of people are looking for 9.7-inch e-readers, 13.3-inch e-readers. 6 inches is the standard because most companies that who get involved in making e-readers they're not designing like the 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 chassis or the the body of it or the internal components uh they're getting them from china and because six inches are the most popular it's the most affordable for companies to be able to spend the money elsewhere by developing features that people really want so i would say six inch are the best but that money could be spent towards making something that's better resolution. I would say the Ultimate E-Reader would have 1430 by 1080. This is the current resolution found in the Kindle Voyage. It has a staggering 300 PPI. Uh, really what this means is razor sharp clarity in terms of fonts, of uh, pictures, and anything along the way. You can think of it as... A resolution increase that's on par with what we've seen when the iPad had great resolution and then it started almost doubling the resolution with the retina edition so you can think of it as this is like retina for six inch e-readers I think it's critically important that the industry get away from 1024 by 758 which is the standard right now or 800 by 600 which a lot of bargain barrel e-readers continuously use today and people don't know any better you spend 50 60 bucks and you think that you're getting an e-reader but the resolution is really poor and it jades a lot of people off of them altogether in terms of e-paper technology i really dig e-ink mobius now mobius was designed to weigh less than 50 percent of the equivalent glass-based tft and it's also a bit flexible 
A Mobius is what's used on the Sony Digital Paper and the Pocketbook CAD Flex. Both of these e-readers are 13.3, but when we talk to uh, the head of R&D at E-Ink, they basically said with Mobius, they can cut it to whatever screen size that people want. So if you want a six inch cut for the e-paper, they can do that for you. It just so happens that the comp two companies using it are releasing more of the type of device that's not aimed at consumers. The digital paper and the pocketbook CAD uh, are aimed at businesses. So Sony digital paper is mainly a PDF reader it, and it comes with a stylus. So it's kind of aimed at that corporate world, at uh, law firms. Pocketbook CAD aimed primarily at like designers, anybody who's involved in like 3D modeling, architecture design, anyone who really uses Autodesk, AutoCAD software is who it's aimed at. But I think Mobius makes a device lighter weight and it's indicative to higher resolution. I also think that the industry has to kind of get away from using uh, infrared touchscreen technology. A lot of new e-readers, even in late 2014, that's what they're using. I really think the ultimate e-reader would have capacitive touchscreen. So I'm thinking capacitive touchscreen where the screen is flush with the bezel. So if you have like an iPhone, if you have a Samsung Galaxy, or if you have any type of tablet, you know that the glass from the screen is flush with the bezel. A lot of e-readers have like a dip from when the screen meets like the, the, the bezel. And... All those e-readers where the screen dips is using infrared, te infrared touch technology. So when you're pinching and zooming, it's not really robust. And it really hinders the PDF process. If you're reading a PDF document, you're pinching and zooming, trying to get isolated a particular picture. It's a nightmare. And I have to tell you that because, I mean, we've reviewed... <laughs> about 180 different e-readers over the years. So kind of know, I think, what constitutes something great. So if you want some examples of capacitive touchscreen where the screen is flush with the bezel, you don't have to look any further than the Kobo Aura, the Tolino Vision 2, or the new Kindle Voyage. Additionally, I think that the e-reader itself has to have front-lit technology. Uh, some people bill it as glow light, but... Look at it. Okay, so this is how the essence of the technology works. There's usually between four and six LED lights at the bottom of the screen that projects light upwards. So this evenly distributes lights across the screen. Smartphones and tablets use LCD technology that have light emitting from behind the screen into your eyes. And a new study from the Lighting Research Center at uh, the Polytechnic Institute shows that a two-hour exposure to electronic devices with a backlit display actually causes melatonin suppression, which may lead to delayed bedtimes, especially in teens. So if you're the type of person that's like reading on your iPad before you go to bed, chances are you're going to bed a lot later than people who aren't staring at those types of screens uh, because it you know, it keeps you awake. E-readers don't because the light's not blaring into your eyes. In terms of the housing for the e-reader, I think that flexible rubber housing has to be the norm. Uh, the only two e-readers to employ this technology so far is the Pocketbook CAD, which is not out yet, and the Wexler Flex 1, which is uh, a company that is based in Russia and released this product using LG a flexible e-paper about two years ago now. Uh, rubber housing allows it to be more durable for not only transportation, 
but also for daily use. It's not going to uh, rub against things or you can just throw it in your bag and it's not going to, you know, it has some give to it. So it's not going to break as easy. On the back of the device, I want to see a high-breg magnesium alloy. Uh, the only e-reader to employ this thus far is the Kindle Voyage, and they use it on the back. And I think what makes this uh, technology especially compelling is that it prevents finger oil from staining the back of it. Um, if you've ever had a touchscreen device before, you know that the back, the side, the touchscreen itself is riddled, riddled with oil. And some people are uh, OCD about it and are cleaning it you know, numerous times a day. But anything that could decrease the amount of oil from transferring from your fingers to the screen or to the back of the device, I'm all for terms of underneath the hood, I do think that e-readers need to get away from 400 megahertz processors, 500 megahertz processors, 800 megahertz processors. Almost like every e-reader that's been released in the last few years has, hasn't even had a processor that's over a gig. So I'd like to see a 1.2 gigahertz dual core processor in order for a more optimized experience when opening books, accessing menu functions, and running apps and as well as multitasking. A lot of e-readers too use 128 MB of RAM. Some of the higher end ones have 512. I think that the e-reader or the ultimate e-reader needs at least one gig of RAM, especially when the e-readers these days are starting to run Android so much more that you really need that additional RAM in order to actually run programs effectively as well as being able to uh, buffer more system memory aspects into the RAM as opposed to being offloaded to the processor. SD cards are a lost art. There's hardly any companies these days that did it. Uh, the first generation Kindle had an SD card and everything afterwards didn't. A lot of companies are trying to push their cloud uh, services towards users. So they either make the SD card hard to access, they don't build it at all, or they don't even build it into their e-readers. I think SD cards are important because most e-readers have like between two and four gigs of internal storage, but with the operating system installed and everything, roughly you have about 2.7 to about three 3.2 gigs and that could support you know a few large PDF documents and a few hundred books. I don't like the reliance on cloud just because it relegates you to always having to be in a Wi-Fi internet area in order to download new content. I like the ability to be able to have a self-sustaining device. I also like um E, like e-reader technology that could be powered by solar power. Uh, I have a Seiko e-ink watch, and one of the things I really love about it is the fact that it I don't have to charge it. You know, the Pebble, uh, the Sony the Sony e-ink smartwatch that's coming out soon, anything released by uh, Apple for their iWatch, as well as the Samsung watches. I mean, they last about a day, if that, and then you have to power them for a few hours. Powering just stuff is just so inconvenient. I mean, I love e-reader technology because really it lasts about a month before you have to recharge it. I like the ability for it to be able to 
be charged on the go. Uh, Toshiba had built some prototype technology in South Korea about two years ago that did have solar power uh, stuff along the, the side of the bezel, but it never really went beyond like a, it never really had a commercial release. But I do think that small solar arrays to be able to be charged through either ambient sunlight or direct sunlight, I think is a quintessential must. Here it is, folks. E-readers have lost audio. I remember a time just even like three years ago that almost every e-reader out there had audio. The last Kindle that had it was actually the Kindle Touch, which shows you sort of how many different models Amazon has released since then. Both tablets, the Paperwhite 1, the Paperwhite 2, the Kindle Voyage. Everybody got away from audio. Barnes & Noble did, Kobo did, all the mainstream companies did, uh, because e-readers these days, folks, are a race to the bottom. Everyone just kind of wants to release the cheapest device possible so everyone can kind of compete on that like $60, $70, $80 price point. At the expense, though, of critical things like audio, I would like to see the ultimate e-reader have audio, to have stereo speakers, prefer, preferably using Dolby Audio, so Do Dolby Atmos uh, pro a sound card or whatever, a 3.5 millimeter headphone jack, which would allow users to listen to music and audiobooks. I don't know why audiobooks are relegated to smartphones and tablets these days when an e-reading device should be able to have audio functionality. More on audio and the critical importance of it in a moment. I would like to also see a microphone. Now, why would you want to see a microphone on an e-reader? Well, it would allow people to give voice commands. It would also allow them to take advantage of the audio chat features found in apps like Skype and WhatsApp Messenger. More on that when we start talking about software. But I think with the the two things about having an audio um, 3.5mm headphone jack and, and stereo speakers in conjunction with a microphone would finally allow e-readers to be able to be marketed towards schools and appeal to people with vision problems. The big reason why e-readers have not been embraced by schools is because of the National Federation of the Blind and other organizations say that e-readers don't appeal to everybody because anybody who has visual problems or has dyslexia can't take advantage of that, which is really why you hear you don't hear about e-readers in schools anymore. You hear about tablets in schools. but you know, I've been tracking this for a long time. There was a few pilot projects. There was some talk. There was even there's some limited rollouts where Amazon would supply a whole class full of e-readers. And then National Federation of the Blind had protest marches in front of Seattle's uh, headquarters. What I would like to see is a hybrid system, either using Avana text-to-speech and being able to have people open and buy things with voice commands. So you would be able to say, open audio player, play audiobook X, and it would open the audio player, then it would play the audiobook of your choice. If you don't have audiobooks, you would say, open bookstore, you know, search for this book. Is an audiobook available? Yes, there is, 
complete and then you click like purchase and you know you could add your credit card to your account by voice prompt so it's a visa four five two oh zero 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 blah de blah de blah and this way people with vision problems could take advantage of an e-reader and actually interact with them to a higher degree I think this is critical for the mass adoption of e-readers because I almost feel like e-readers right now have kind of hit a ceiling. They're not going to sell hundreds of millions of them anymore. Everyone who has one already has one. But I think being able to open up new markets with e-readers and appeal to people with vision problems would help sell at least, you know, 50 to 100,000 additional units worldwide. And for a small company, that could make a critical difference. I would also like to see a camera that takes pictures in e-ink. Uh, the Pocketbook Ultra was the only e-reader to actually have a built-in camera, and it had OCR software that would allow you to scan books or just snap selfies. Sadly, when you actually took pictures and explored them into your computer, they weren't in e-paper, so they weren't like in black and white and, and gray gradients, but they were in a low-resolution full color. I'd like to see an e-ink camera that actually took pictures in e-ink so you can make them your Facebook profile and it you wouldn't have to use those black and white filters and would just take a picture in high resolution e-ink I think that this would be very cool most e-readers have Wi-Fi it, you would be hard-pressed to find a modern-day e-reader without it but dual band Wi-Fi is a bit different. Um, you know, the new iPad Air, the new iPad Mini, and, and some of the higher, uh, higher tiered tablets all have dual band Wi-Fi. And really, what this means is that um, it would it allows you to have a better connection to your router or modem and be able to download things a bit quicker. Uh, HD comics magazines, newspapers. When you download this type of content, it's not like 15 megs or 10 megs. Some of it's like 100 megs, 200 megs, 300 megs. And if you're downloading a few of those things simultaneously, it could take like 30 to 40 minutes on a conventional Wi-Fi computer. Have you ever tried uh, installing like a, a 1.2 gig data file for whatever is the biggest name, like World of Tank Blitz or any of the big uh, big budget games like uh, Call of Duty Heroes. I mean, some of these data files are huge and dual band Wi-Fi expedites the process. So I'd like to see things like that uh, permeate from tablets and smartphones to e-readers. Additionally, I'd like to see e-readers go back to optional 3G, 4G SIMs. Amazon is really the only company to uh, have this still available via its WhisperSync service. So you can buy like a 3G Kindle and you don't have to pay any extra month for data plan. Uh, Barnes & Noble's first e-reader actually had a data service and the Sony Daily Edition had a free data service. Now, they all closed them down obviously, but I'd like to see SIM support. Now, obviously an e-reader company, especially a startup or smaller or mid-range company, can't afford to uh, invest in the infrastructure of free but being able to just have that so customers could put in their own sims either from their phone or get uh, one from their you know service their internet service provider that has like a small cap like 50 megs a month 100 megs a month and this would allow you to be able to have a greater amount of freedom to bring your e-reader out with you to the cabin that probably doesn't have wireless internet access on vacation on the beach um, any you know we live in a world where 
Wi-Fi is not all-encompassing and everywhere. It's like major urban centers, some cafes, but once you get to like rural or you're on vacation and you're like in, you know, second or third world countries, um, it's not easy to find free wireless internet access. And when you do, I mean, there's just so many devices hooked up to it that's bogging you down. So I'd like to see go the e-reader industry going back to op- having optional 3G, 4G SIMs Okay, let's talk about some of the other things. First of all, extensive dictionary support. If you live in North America and you buy an e-reader, chances are you just have like a simple dictionary that's like, you know, Merriam's English. Uh, You certainly don't have English to Spanish or translations. Uh, Some companies like Amazon do, but hardly anyone else really does it. I'd like to see one e-reader with dictionary support for every major European language, Asian language, as well as uh, Spanish, French, Portuguese, things like that. This would really kind of allow one e-reader to be marketed across many different markets without the need of localizing it. Many e-reader companies simply say, okay, you know, if you want the French dictionary, you know, buy the e-reader from France where this is built into it. I'd like to see one e-reader, you know, one ring to rule them all. I'd like to see one e-reader with enough dictionary support that would allow people to just download them, maybe not pre-installed because dictionaries, let's face it, between 100 and 300 megs each on a standard four gig, uh, you know, internal storage that most e-readers have, five dictionaries, 10 dictionaries would kill all of your memory. I'd also like to see expanded font support. Uh, many e-readers only s- ship with six different font types and about 12 variations of size. I do think it's important not to have, you know, like 50 different fonts preloaded on it because it'll, you know, it'll confuse your average user. But I do think it's uh, important for e-readers to both appeal to average users and advanced users. So I'd like to see the ultimate e-reader borrow a page out of Kobo's playbook by allowing users to load in their own fonts into a special directory. And then when you load up the e-reader app, all the fonts you loaded in would be there. If you don't want some of the fonts, you can just delete them and you could kind of just have the fonts that you like. Um, think about reading a newspaper. Much more effective in Times New Roman than generic font number 108. I also feel that the e-reader industry needs to get a, get uh, rid of Linux. Uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, well, Barnes & Noble uses Android, but Kobo, uh, almost every single e-reader company out there uses Linux, um, mainly because they outsource the actual firmware and hardware to China. So, okay, be, you know, before I talk about Android, let me just tell you what e-reader companies do. I've been tracking this industry long enough where you hear about a lot of these companies like Acuris, Pocketbook, uh, even like, you know, when you go to Walmart and you go to the tablet section, you'll see the Samsungs, the iPads of the world, and then you'll see a bunch of like tablets you've never heard of before. And every com- every e-reader where the company's not a household name or you've never heard of before, they basically, everything comes from China. And this is why like, when uh, a product, you know, when a company will release, say, maybe two or three new tablets at once, it's not because they are releasing them all at once, but, and 
a lot of them have new, you know, they don't look the same. Like Apple products look the same. Kindle e-readers more or less look the same. Kobo products more or less look the same. But when you look at like pocketbook products or uh, Icarus products or, um, you know, no-name tablet products, basically what they're doing is they're sending a buyer to China. They're saying, look, we need like a six-inch, a seven-inch, and a nine-inch tablet. What do you got? They'll look at some prototypes. Uh, let's talk about just e-readers. So it'll be like, oh, this has big page turn keys on the side uh, for this, the six-inch. Uh, for the eight-inch, it'll have the page turn keys on the bottom. For the nine-inch, we don't have page turn keys, but it's like touchscreen. Okay, you know, that's fine. What type of deal can you give us that's cool uh, resolution on them all are completely different because you know uh, a lot of these small to mid-range companies they, they don't have an R&D they can't manufacture these e-readers themselves they can't come up with a design outsource to the Foxconn Foxconn makes it for them they basically have to go to China see what's available say okay I'll take this this and this and they'll say do you want us to do like the OEM software as well most of these companies say how much you know they look at cost versus value so they'll say okay these Chinese guys will do it for like $1,500 it would take us you know two programmers at about $12,000 to make it the way that we want okay how many readers can we expect to sell okay you guys just do it so you know the reason why I know this is because a lot of the times you know like I said when a bunch of tablets from the same manufacturer come out at once or from the same e-reader company at once you really notice that the firmware is totally different from device to device uh, the hardware is totally different from device to device and this is not by like design this is just because they outsource the shit to China and they basically are scraping the bottom of the barrel not designing their own firmware not designing their own hardware maybe they're putting in a few specialized apps but that's or like a like a boot image uh, a logo of the company that you're buying it from but they certainly aren't making the e-readers themselves even Kobo doesn't make their own e-readers themselves they actually outsource it to a Taiwanese company called Nectronics and Nectronics has been designing mostly all of Kobo's e-readers ever so this is why when you go to like uh, tech trade shows in like China or in Taiwan Nectronics there is a household name because they basically do the e-reader designs for all these companies and actually say, you know, hey Kobo, we have this new Wacom display screen that might be good on one of your e-readers for next year. Come to Taiwan and let's do a demo of it, which is, you know, probably why Kobo next year is going to be releasing a new Kobo e-reader likely a 6.8 inch e-reader so the like the the aura h2o or something like that or the aura hd2 that will actually have a wacom screen i'll ship with a stylus which will give you all of the types of uh, experiences that you used to find on the older sony devices like the sony pocket the sony 350 the sony 650 the sony daily 950 it'll kind of give you all the benefits of a Sony e-reader with its get with its money st stylus integration, but it'll have a better screen because it's using Wacom. So this is sort of like when you know how the industry works, you can kind of pay attention to, you know, less news on like what Kobo is doing because they're always secretive on what they're doing. But you can like look at what their partners are doing and what their partners are showing the public because, you know, those partners like Netronics are showing them to the public to get more companies to buy into what they're doing. And they're hyping the fact that, you know, we do business with Kobo. We do business with these guys. We do business with these guys. And 
when you start looking at Asian manufacturing, you kind of notice that a lot of the smaller companies that are doing what Nectronics is doing, that those are all the companies that all these like startups and small companies in the states that are marketing and selling no-name tablets. That's what they're doing. They're going to China and like going to like these little electronics shows, finding out where the best deals could be come from, and then they do it. So. The ultimate e-reader certainly wouldn't be done in that conventional manner where it's just like scraping to the bottom of the barrel. You know, what's the cheapest processor? What's the least amount of RAM? And then, you know, you have a horrendous product that everyone just makes fun of instead of buys. But the reason why I mention that is because Linux traditionally for e-readers since about 2006 to even now is the de facto standard. I'd like to see Android get to be the most widely adopted operating system. Barnes & Noble and Sony e-readers have always used Android, but they've been severely locked down versions of it. Uh, Icarus, Onyx, and Pocketbook, what they have done this year, and which has the, been the biggest trend in the e-reader industry in 2014, is to have a vanilla version of Android. Um, Onyx has been releasing e-readers with Google Play, Icarus has been marketing our own Goodie Reader app store that's actually optimized for e-ink devices. And uh, Pocketbook's just getting into it. I think that vanilla version of Android is... It offers so much freedom for, for customers because... When you have a Linux device, if you have, say, like a, a Kobo device, you're locked into buying ebooks from Kobo. Sure, you can download books from other bookstores, but they have to be in a very uh, specific format, and a lot of them don't play nicely with Kobo. Uh, the reason I, why I think Android phones and tablets have become so popular is because you're not locked into any one ecosystem. You can download the Kindle app. You can download the, the Barnes & Noble app. You can download the Zinio app for magazines. If you want to read newspapers, you can download Press Reader or Magster. If you want like a third-party reading app you can download you know uh crunchy roll manga or you can download like moon plus reader or aldico i mean the, the options are limitless and i'd like to see those lim unlimited you know no limits appeal to e-readers uh finally the ultimate e-reader would have both bluetooth and gps and these are two things that really haven't really been seen much in e-readers but bluetooth and gps are just so ridiculously cheap these days because so many phones and tablets have them here's why i think it's more important let's talk about bluetooth i think it's important especially with the audio functionality to be able to connect up bluetooth speakers um you know beats pill uh any type of like high-end speakers it would be kind of cool to be able to play an audio book with your speakers I also think that GPS is very underrated, and I think that with e-readers, it would allow the implementation of anti-theft software. Uh, e-readers, because they become so portable, and you're reading them on the bus, you read them on the subway, you're reading them when you're commuting, uh, you're putting them in your bag, sometimes you miss your bag and it just like falls down. It would be nice to be able to have like find my e-reader software where you could actually track to see, I lost it, it's still there, it's on that bench, I'm gonna go run there and do it. Oh, someone stole it? Well, I could remotely wipe you know, my e-reader, so all my personal information, all my credit card data, all that stuff's gone. So these are my ideas of what would constitute the ultimate e-reader. I'd like to hear what your guys' thoughts are. We have a major post on our website at goodyreader.com, so you could uh, comment on that, and you just have to search. And if it's not on the front page when you're listening to this, just type into the search bar, ultimate space e-reader, 
and you should find uh, this post. So I'd like to hear your thoughts because you've heard me rant and rave uh, for almost 30 minutes now on what I think would be the ultimate e-reader. And I got sidetracked about China and all that type of stuff. Don't even get me started. I could devote like an hour to like the horrors of dealing with like the Chinese market for all the e-reader companies I've talked to over the years. But these are all the features I think would be deadly in an e-reader. And of course, you know, with Good E-Reader, we certainly don't have the money to make it. And if we were to have a Kickstarter campaign, I doubt anybody would contribute to it. But these are, you know, if anybody's listening that has uh, Monopoly Man style money or if you are like the Monopoly Man or maybe if you're even Scrooge McDuck, you know, Scrooge McDuck, I think one of the things that he did to relax is he opened up his vault uh, that was full of gold and jewels and he would swim. He would literally swim in a in a vault pool, in a vault of money. He would do backstrokes. He would like put a bunch of coins in his mouth and blow them up in the air like people do with water. I mean, if you're like a Scrooge McDuck and you want to see the ultimate e-reader um, get made, holler at me and comment on this post. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. My name is Michael, and this has been the Goody Weeder Radio Show.